So you can start in Acts 2, and it immediately says a thing that's going to take us out of Acts 2. <laughs> so you can go, you can turn your pages there if you want, but we're going to leave it immediately. Uh, the opening, the opening verse of Acts 2 says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And nowhere in the four Gospels or in Acts chapter 1 is the word Pentecost mentioned. So if you had a cool Gideon's Bible that just had the New Testament in it, or if you had, had just read a Gospel and you, you, know, you weren't familiar with the Old Testament, you would read this and four words into it, when it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together, you would have no idea what Pentecost is. So I'm going to talk about it a little bit. We're not going to go overboard. We've done that other years. Some of this will be review, but it's still worth it and worthy to talk about. So Pentecost is a Greek word for the, the 50 days. The real holiday is in Hebrew, and it's called Shavuot or Shavuot, or I don't know how to pronounce it. I won't pronounce it right. But it's Shavuot, and it was last Sunday night. It's already passed. Because at some point in church history, people didn't like the Jewish people, and they didn't want the Christian holidays to overlap with the Jewish holidays, so they split the whole calendar up, and that's why Easter doesn't always fall on Pentecost or Passover, and why they're separate. So Pentecost, or Shavuot, Shavuot, I'll pronounce it both ways the whole morning is seven weeks after Passover. And Shavuot is also one of three pilgrimage feasts. Another one is Passover. And so, seven weeks ago, we celebrated Easter. Seven weeks ago and four days was Passover. And in Jesus' day, when it was time for Passover, a man from every house would go wherever you lived. If you were able, so that's the other part, if you're able, a representative, a man from every house, goes to Jerusalem. And so imagine three times a year, the city of Jerusalem is just packed. It's like every single person and their cousin is having a family reunion all at the same time at the same shelter house. Yeah, huge. But you would also bring along your whole family, right? If, I'm, if I have to go and I know my cousin's going to be there and my cousin's kids like to play with my kids, then I'm going to bring all of them too. So now you just got even more packed. They're all there for Passover and we're celebrating Passover and every, you know, I've got a sheep for my household and Jim's got a sheep for his household and John's got a sheep for his household and we all got these Passover lambs and we're all doing it and we're all having the big old feast and it's all a big party. Well, remember what happened at this particular Passover is the big crowd is there and the rabbis kind of stoke up the crowd to get all hyped up about this guy that's way up on Pilate's front step that must have done something bad because we want to crucify him. And there's this big, remember it says the crowd, the, the Jewish leaders hyped up the crowd to all shout, crucify him, crucify him. 
And we might be from out of town. We might not even know. But gosh, if, if all these rabbis are saying crucify him, I mean, he must be a pretty bad dude. And the whole crowd's yelling it. Yeah! You know, this has happened in the last couple years with the Occupy Wall Street and with some of the riots and things of last year where people were protesting. And depending on what part of the crowd you were in, they were protesting different things. They didn't even know what they were all, you know, we're here for this, we're here for that. And you're like, you guys aren't, it gives you an idea of how a crowd could do that. So you have men, I just realized my flash is on my camera and I don't know why. Okay. So you have men from all over, they're Jewish, coming with their families. You have the big mob, and there's some bad dude up there, so we're all getting all into a frenzy. Crucify him! Crucify him! A lot of us would see him be crucified, because the whole point of a crucifixion is that it's public, and it's showing off Rome showing to everybody all that they rule over. This is how tough we are. Don't mess with us or you'll end up like these guys. And then Passover is over. You celebrate it for a week. Everybody always talks about the Last Supper and it's like an event and it's a day. But it's seven days of partying. And then you have a little side note. Wait a minute. So if Jesus was crucified and died midway through the week of Passover. He rose from the dead. Everybody's still in town. Everybody's still there. Acts 1 mentions Jesus went around for 40 days and he appeared to people and showed that he was resurrected. On the, at the end of that 40 days, he said, stay in Jerusalem, you guys. Why were they in Jerusalem? They were in Jerusalem for Passover. Stay in Jerusalem until power comes upon you. And once power, the Holy Spirit that I promised would come, because Jesus had talked about the Holy Spirit at the Last Supper. He said, stay here till the promised Holy Spirit comes. And then go and be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, the ends of the earth. So, whoa. Okay, wait. That's a lot of places. The ends of the earth. That's Ends of the earth is where the map stops, right? It's where we figure there must be something out there. We've never been there. Most of the disciples had never gone, traveled. If you look at your map in the back of your Bible, you draw a line from Galilee down to Jerusalem, and they probably didn't go outside of your finger from that line. Because they would be in their hometown. They would go to Jerusalem three times a year for the feast. They would go back to their hometown. They might stray out of that a little bit, but not much. So, Shavuot, Shavuot was seven weeks after Passover. The Greek word is 50 days, so there's some weirdness of seven weeks times seven days, 49 days, but then the Jews start their evening, their day in the evening, the Greeks would start their day in the morning, so you get 50. Everybody comes back. So all of these pilgrims have had 50 days 
of saying, gosh, that was a weird Passover. Remember how we were all in the square shouting, crucify him, crucify him, about that one guy? Do you remember the week before that, when we were picking out our lamb for the Passover, and that one guy came into town and everybody was throwing their coats on the ground, saying, bring salvation, save us today, because some of them came a week early and were there for the triumphal entry. So they've had 50 days to think about the weirdest Passover ever when they had the guy coming in on a donkey and they all threw their coats down. Those are the people that didn't know Jesus. Think of all the people that did know Jesus. They've had 50 days of Jesus appearing, Jesus showing up, hearing rumors of Jesus showing up by these guys on the road. Jesus showed up at this place. I saw him. He was, he's a lot. He just shows up. He grilled fish on the beach for us, and he had us bring fish too, and we put it with, and he was eating fish, so he's not a ghost. So there's all of this among the people that believe in him, stuff that's never happened before, completely unprecedented, right? And what does it mean, stay in Jerusalem until the promised Holy Spirit comes? Because there's a point when he, on Resurrection Day, when he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit, and he breathed on them, and the Holy Spirit was on them. So there's something about this Holy Spirit, this counselor, this guide, this helper, this go-alonger, go-along and cheer you on-er. There's all kinds of places where they, they translate um, the words for the Holy Spirit, like counselor and guide and, and help, and it just can't be translated into one word. It's someone that's cheering you along while you're going. Like That's the best way to describe, to translate one of the phrases for the Holy Spirit. Think about that. Something's going to come to you in Jerusalem that's going to go along cheering you on all the time. Jesus also said the Holy Spirit will teach Jesus himself. Jesus said, I can't teach you everything. But the Holy Spirit's going to come and the Holy Spirit is going to teach you everything. Can you imagine sitting at the Last Supper? This guy has healed blind people. He's brought people back from the dead. You are confident that he is the chosen one of God. And he says, I can't teach you everything. Who can? The Holy Spirit. And he's coming. All that is Pentecost. So they're all back. The day of Pentecost arrives. They're all together in one place. Suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. It filled the entire house where they were sitting. Just loud, wind blowing. But it's notice it says a sound like a rushing wind. So it's not like their hat was blowing off and their pages of their Bible were flipping around. It was just the sound of it. Kind of weird. Then... Tongues like of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. All right, so everybody gets thrown off because nobody ever talks about fire like a tongue except right here in the Bible. (laughs) And it's funny, if you, I mean, 
this one's pretty stable. But if we had a, a low quality fire that was burning and it would wag, it would be like a, like a dog's tongue, right? And it would look like a tongue. That's the description of this. It's like a little bit. It's a little piece. It's a little lapping, flickering thing. But also notice that it doesn't say it was fire. They were little pieces of something that moved like fire moves. See, poor Luke that's writing this, he, it's something he can't describe. So he's doing it the best he can with what he has, right? If you go see a movie and you come back from the movie and your friends are like, how was it? You say, it was like the Avengers meets Star Wars. Because I can speak in terms of Avengers and I can speak in terms of Star Wars. Grace plays a song and I'll say, it was like country classical. Because you know what country music is and you know what classical is. So here's Luke. These things appeared on everybody. And they were like tongues, like, like flappy things, like fire. And they appeared and rested on everybody. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. Wait, what? Completely different word. Oh, now we're getting into some difficulty. As the Spirit gave them utterance. Something came on them that lit up. That, that, that had light in it. That was moving. And they were able to speak these different things. There's all kinds of places in the Old Testament. Moses and the burning bush, right? The bush is burning. It looks like, he says it's burning, but it wasn't consumed. Well, what was it? What's burning to Moses? And the way Moses can describe things, lights coming out of it. It might not be like a spotlight, but it might be flickering or moving. When... Um, the tower of fire came down in the Exodus as they're going through the wilderness. At night, there would be a pillar of fire. How high was it? Well, I mean, it's just like this giant pillar that goes all the way up into the sky. And it looked like fire. But what's burning up? But that fire was warm enough that they could stay close to it and it lit everything up at nighttime. So the desert's cold, you need a heat source. There it is. When they, when they dedicated Solomon's temple, they put a sacrifice down. They make a sacrifice and the glory of God, it says, came down and was like fire. And it was just everywhere in the temple. And the priests ran for their lives to get out of the building. And they couldn't minister there because the whole building was filled with the glory of God. So the glory of God, the Holy Spirit, is like this lighting fire. That's what appears on everybody. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So you don't know what that means. Um, in 1906 on Azusa Street was what led to what is presently known as Pentecostalism and the charismatic movement. And 
that's all really cool, but one day I was like, okay, what happened before 1906? Because that's pretty recent, right? I want to go before that. So I did research into the Holy Spirit showing up before what we know. Like, if I say tongues, everybody has a thing in their head. Well, it's all been influenced since 1906. What was before that? And before that, there are places in history where you, it's not a formula. You can't make it happen. But there'd be people praying and something would light on fire. But it wouldn't burn up. And then it would stop. There are stories of um, people having a prayer meeting and praying and worshiping God. And people down the hill from the church looking up and being thinking that the church was on fire. Because there were flames on the church. And the townspeople came running up and the, and the flames are gone and the church is fine. There's not even a smell of smoke. There's no burn mark. So there are events in history, um, even more recent than the scriptures, where God somehow showed up. And it, it, I don't want to say God showed up. His presence was there. The glory of God showed up. The Holy Spirit showed up. And there was some kind of a fire like light thing. So that's what's on them. They spoke in other tongues. The Spirit gave them utterance. We don't know what that means. Okay, keep reading because it says what that means. There were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Why? Because of Pentecost, right? Everybody comes to town. When this would happen, you would camp out in the streets. You would set up tents. People would be sleeping in your living room. I mean, imagine your, your city quadruples in population. Imagine Memorial Day weekend. If everybody that ever went to an Evansville high school came back to Evansville for the weekend. <laughs> right? That would be like, <laughs> they'd be sleeping everywhere, right? It'd be, yes. So that's what's happening. There's people in the street, camping out in the street. There's people camping on the rooftops. There's people camping on everybody's balconies. These guys are praying and they all start speaking as the Holy Spirit tells them to speak. The sound of the multitude, these guys all shouting their stuff. Everybody hears them. They were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished. Aren't all these that are talking Galileans? And how can we each hear them in our own language? So, uh, if, you, if you come down in our neighborhood in the summertime, you will hear two different things in the evening time. Especially on a Friday or Saturday night when everybody's relaxed. You'll either hear window air conditioning is going... Because everybody's got a window air conditioner, right? Or you will hear everybody's business going on in their house because they don't have a window air conditioner and their window's open. And, I mean, I, I discovered this before we ever moved in where we live. But as you walk down the street, you can hear everybody talking. And they're all talking. Because everybody's got their windows open and they're shouting through the house to so-and-so. You know, do you want do you want mustard on your bologna? No, not today. And you can just hear just that common thing. So imagine this is all crowded for Pentecost. 
They don't have window air conditioners. Everything's open. These guys start shouting stuff. Everybody that's camping out outside hears it, but they hear it in their own language. They are from people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome. Both Jews and people who weren't born Jewish but converted to Judaism from all these other lands, they all hear in their own languages these guys shouting things about God. These guys are worshiping the Lord and they're hearing it in their native languages. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? So we've lived in other countries, we've traveled in other countries, and there's times where you're like, I wish I could see an American. I just need a break. Like everybody here is weird. You're the weird one, right? I'm surrounded by foreigners. You're the foreigner, right? And through, I mean, the busiest, most packed airport, you hear somebody talk with a Texan accent. And you were like, there is an American here. I can hear it. And you hear them, you'll be talking face to face with somebody in a language that you know. They might even be speaking English with like a British accent or a French accent. But you hear that Texan and you're like, there are Americans here. That's what it was like for these guys. They were from Cappadocia. They were from Egypt. They were from Libya. Places that don't speak Greek. Places that don't speak any of these languages that they're speaking in this town. And all of a sudden they're like, well, there's Libyans here. Where are those guys? There's an, I hear an Egyptian. Where, where are you from? And they get excited. You, you do. I mean, for real. You're just like, are you from Indiana? They hear that cutting through. Okay, so now flip back. The disciples were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The Holy Spirit is giving these guys things to say. They're saying stuff, and the people outside are hearing it like they're from southern Indiana. And they're like, what? Why would God do this? Why would God make this happen? Because God wants people to be excited. He, he wants to be heard. He's not hidden. He's not secret. He's not trying to be avoided. He really wants to reach out to these people from Cappadocia and Egypt and Libya. So they all hear it. There's a couple others that say they're mocking and they say they're full of wine. They're all drunk. They're just babbling. You know what I think about that? I think those people that thought that didn't hear their own language. I think they didn't understand what was being said. See, just like today, just like here, there's people that went through the actions of Pentecost, of coming to Jerusalem to celebrate, but they weren't seeking after God. They weren't doing it for the right reasons. And I think there are people that came to Jerusalem on Pentecost because they love God. And they're seeking after Him. And Jesus promised, if you seek, if you knock, the door will be opened, right? Ask and you'll find it. 
Seeking you'll find, asking will be given. Yeah, you know. And I think the people that were really seeking there are the ones that heard it. And the ones that weren't were like, they're a bunch of drunks. So Peter stands up with the eleven. He lifts up his voice and he addresses all the people. Okay, wait a minute. What do you mean all the people? Well, wherever the disciples are in this room, there's a crowd within earshot. And they're the ones that heard all this. And so now Peter is addressing all of them. Occasionally there will be, we, our front yard is a city park. And occasionally there will be a party at the park, a family reunion, a thing, or whatever. And we like to sit on our front porch and watch all the people go by and say hi to them. People say, can we park in front of your house? We're like, yeah, park in our driveway. We're not going anywhere. Come on. It's really easy to see how all of a sudden you can talk and shout out to a whole bunch of people. So he says, men of Judea, all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. These guys are not drunk like you think. It's only the third hour of the day. We're not drunk yet. But this is what's happening. And he quotes this whole section from Joel. All of a sudden, Peter is busting out the Old Testament prophets. That the Holy Spirit is going to fall on flesh. God declares, I'll put, pour out my spirit. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. This also helps us explain what they heard. So the disciples, when they started, gave utterances as the Spirit directed them. They were prophesying. They were shouting out things about God. God's qualities, God's character. They were praising God. And the people heard the disciples praising God and proclaiming things about God in their own language. The way they heard it, just like if their mama would have said it. They heard it that same way. And so that's what Peter is referring to. So he says all these prophecies and says these things and he finishes it with all it came to pass everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved now remember all these guys were here 50 days ago and Peter gives this mixture prophecy of condemnation and curses and blessing for all who call on his name then Peter says listen men of Israel Jesus of Nazareth the man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders. This Jesus you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. So lawless doesn't mean they're renegades. It means they don't follow the Torah. You used a bunch of Gentiles to kill God's anointed one. All right, real quick. The other thing they're celebrating on Shavuot is the giving of the law. It's the day they became God's people. They got Torah on Shavuot. And Peter's saying, you went and got some lawless people that don't follow the Torah to kill the Son of God. But God showed you because he rose him from the dead. And some of you saw it. Some of you know about it. He talks about that. Then he says, David, this is verse 28. I can tell you with confidence that David, that he died and was buried. What else do they celebrate on Shavuot? 
the birth and the death of King David. So they're all in Jerusalem celebrating David's life. And Peter kind of rubs some salt in it. And he's like, you know, David's dead. He's still dead. Oh. And he quotes this business of that God's chosen one will never see death, will live forever. And then he brings that back to Jesus. He's like, God wasn't, when King David wrote that in the psalm, he wasn't talking about himself. He was talking about the Messiah Jesus that you killed. He rubs it again in verse 36. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Oh, yes. They said, what shall we do? Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter just got the Holy Spirit like eight minutes ago. And now he's promising it. Well, he had the Holy Spirit, right? He knew about the Holy Spirit. He tells all these people to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus. They will receive the Holy Spirit and save yourself from this crooked generation, he adds on. And 3,000 men... So maybe their wives too, maybe their households, even more than that. 3,000 people believed it, repented, confessed Jesus, and were baptized and received the Holy Spirit that day. Wow. All of those people were at Pentecost, were at Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost, to celebrate the giving of the law. And when I say law, what I really mean is the way of life. They were seeking God to receive a way of life. And all of a sudden, this miracle happens with the Holy Spirit. And Peter says, the way of life that God wants to give you is that you live by the Holy Spirit. Be baptized. So until this point, baptized, they all know about John the Baptist. He was baptizing people, right? But he was baptizing them to say, I'm not going to live this way anymore. I'm going to live different. So is Peter saying, you all have to be baptized. Be bapt-. And then from this came, be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that phrase came up. And it travels along with Pentecost because of tongues and spiritual gifts and all that stuff. So I'm reading these historians. And they're like, the word baptized is really weird. Because before this shows up, the word baptized isn't found in any literature and back until 200 BC when it's a recipe for pickles. And in the recipe for pickles, you take your cucumber and you baptize it in boiling water and then you baptize it in vinegar and spices. And what are they saying? They're saying it's dipped in and exposed to it and then it rests in it and it sits in it. So just to help you out, I have a pickle. We stopped at the gas station on the way and the whole family was like, what are you buying? I said, it's a secret. I bought the hot pickle because it is Pentecost and fire and all that. 
So I want to consider this pickle as we consider baptism and receiving the Holy Spirit. What makes this pickle a pickle? The fact that it is sitting in a whole bunch of ingredients. Water, vinegar, salt, calcium chloride, natural flavoring, sodium benzoate, potassium corbate, oleosterin, capsium, and yellow five. Christians, we believe that Jesus is Lord. We believe that he rose from the dead. In Ephesians, in two different places, it says, When you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. And Paul uses the language of sealed. Like, as soon as you believed, God makes it so. And and makes it solid, and it's never going to be opened, and it's never going to be busted. And this isn't going to leak. I'm not afraid of this leaking. Why? Because it's sealed. But Peter uses the language of baptism with the Holy Spirit. And when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, you believe, you receive the Holy Spirit, you're, you're immersed, you're sunk, you're dipped. When they would use it as a technical term um, with clothing, that when you would dye it a certain color, you would, you would put it in there and then you would let it sit in there and it would stay in there. And so... From here on, Peter proclaims, repent, believe in Jesus. He says to be baptized. And I think what he means is more than just we're going to do some stuff with water. And in a couple hundred years, we're going to have everybody argue whether you have to go underwater or have it splashed on your face or what. He means so much more than that. He means... Be in the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit be in you so much that it completely changes you and who you are. That you're not even the same. If I asked for a cucumber and you gave me a hot pickle, I would be mad at you. Right? If my mom said, I made a nice cucumber salad and we go and we eat it and it's all hot dill pickles. It's a completely different thing. That's what the Holy Spirit does in us. This is what Peter is prophesying. Repent and believe and receive the Holy Spirit and the whole makeup of who you are. Living for my flesh, fear of tomorrow. Everything that's the opposite of the list in Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, tenderness, self-control. That's what happens as the Holy Spirit is in you. And that's what Peter promised that day. And all of those people experienced it. And that's the funniest part about the whole thing. When Jesus said, you're going to be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You could just hear Peter being like, I ain't never left Galilee. I'm a fisherman. And Jesus is like, I'm going to keep you in Jerusalem, Peter. I'm going to send these 3,000 out to the ends of the earth. These 3,000 that you're going to talk to. That you're going to tell about the Holy Spirit. That you're going to tell about Jesus. Paul would go be struck down off of his horse. Spend 14 years at home. Learning about the Lord. Growing in the Lord. And then go out and tell people about God. And as he traveled and told people about Jesus, the Holy Spirit went with him. 
In the same way, the Holy Spirit goes with you. The Holy Spirit is in you like vinegar in a pickle. You can't separate it out. I can eat that pickle, but it's still going to have the vinegar in it. The Holy Spirit is in you and with you to go with you, to travel with you. And you can't run out of the Holy Spirit. We did a thing at home. We ate a jar of pickles. We got a cucumber from the garden. We cut it up. We threw it right back in the jar and we waited a week. It was like a never-ending jar of pickles. Not to say the Holy Spirit's like a pickle, but it's getting pretty close here. As you go, just like all those people at Jeff, at, uh, Jeff Lovelace, John Lovelace's funeral yesterday, everybody has, a, has received the Holy Spirit in their own different way. And we're all influenced and the Holy Spirit goes on. You can do that this week. You do this every day, right? And so as we go, remember Pentecost. It all started, but now the Holy Spirit is as active today as ever. And you might not have your car on fire. And I haven't heard any fire trucks pull up outside thinking the church was on fire, though I prayed for it because that would be cool. The Holy Spirit is still moving and still working. And we can be, we can be very thankful for that. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see the transformation that you are doing in us. That by your grace, you have sealed us with your Holy Spirit. That you have put your Holy Spirit in us irrevocably. And that now we can watch and see the transformation that you do in us. And we want you to do it, Lord. We, we just want... We want whatever you want, and we know that that is more of your presence in the whole world. Be exalted, Lord, and we thank you for already transforming us so much. We look forward to more. Amen. All right.